All right. Welcome, everyone. He's done it, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Wells, for a bonus emergency podcast. A lot of news with the Boston Celtics broke today, June 2nd. Danny Ainge is no longer with the team, stepping down as president of basketball operations, and Brad Stevens is replacing him, moving from the bench to the front office. So Brian and I are going to talk about that and maybe some more stuff because there's a lot of news, particularly in the basketball world today. But of course, that's a big thing, our number one NBA team. So let's get into it. we kind of mentioned it briefly on uh, yesterday's episode, but we had talked about how we were debating between recording yesterday before the Celtics-Nets game or just waiting until today, Wednesday, and uh, we said, no, let's just get it over with. Uh, nothing will be different, right? No news will happen on Wednesday that will justify waiting extra day, right? And uh, we'd probably have an entirely different podcast if we waited another day. So we are doing a special emergency bonus episode. Big changes in the Celtics front office. Danny Ainge steps down as president of basketball operations. And Brad Stevens is promoted from head coach to take his role. So uh, I guess what are your instant reactions to this? I mean, we kind of walk through the timeline here. So the first news was with Danny Ainge that it was announced... Adrian Wojnarowski said, hey, he's seriously considering his future. We started talking about that. And and, uh, I guess let's have our instant reaction just to, you know, the idea of Danny Ainge no longer being with the Celtics. I mean, I don't know if this move is going to work out, but what I can tell you is that they did need to make major changes, whether that has to do with the roster or the coaching staff or moving on with a different GM and uh, they're moving on with two different options, even though one of them is still staying in Brad Stevens, and he's now getting promoted uh, to the president of basketball operations. But they they definitely needed to make uh, a move, no matter who it was. I mean, you know that definition uh, that Albert Einstein put out for insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting, yeah, expecting different results. Different else. Yeah, yes. that's basically what it's been like for the Celtics with, uh, with their – with Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, and uh, yeah, like okay, they made all these Eastern Conference Finals, but it it really hasn't gotten them to over the hump into uh, contending for an actual championship. And I think now is the right time to make a move. I mean, I think Danny Ainge overall as a GM has been honestly a, a really good GM, even if I don't like every single move he makes. Uh, I think yep, I think Celtics won a championship. I think yeah. I think overall he'll always have that. I think overall he's done a good job, and yeah, he brought a championship in 2008 after trading for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, and then after that era ended, 
and started the rebuilding process. He did a good job by trading uh, with Brooklyn and getting all those assets and bringing Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I wasn't even a fan of the Jalen Brown pick when they made it, but that turned out to uh, be incorrect uh, from my thinking and correct for them. They they certainly hit a home run there, and then they hit even a bigger home run with Jason Tatum. And so overall, he's done a great job as a GM, but I think, again, it was time to move on. Or, I mean, for Danny Ainge, I mean, they, they called it a retirement, but at the same time, it kind of feels like a Terry Francona thing where, yeah, we're mutually parting ways, but it probably is a nicer way of saying that he probably got fired. And, I mean, Danny Ainge has talked about possibly moving on in the past uh, where he had some health issues a couple years ago. And and also another thing is he's, over the past couple seasons, he hasn't done the greatest job either. He's definitely hoarded too many picks. And it seems like they had a real path of building a contender, but now that Kyrie, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, now that all those guys are gone, it just looks like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say a disaster, but it, it it looks underwhelming now. You know, there are a lot of what-ifs when you look at what has transpired with the Celtics in the past few years now. Uh, I do believe that it was time for a fresh voice, you know, someone else running the front office, time to move on from Danny Ainge, however that played out. Um, the, the Danny Ainge era in Boston was successful. Any take otherwise is ridiculous. And I, I think a lot of people are trying to say, oh, Kevin McHale just handed him Kevin Garnett for nothing. And, uh, you know, all this, like, even if you want to, like, not give him a ton of credit for that championship, the way that he rebuilt the roster, they had one season where they missed the playoffs. He turned Rajon Rondo into to Jay Crowder, who is just kind of like a no-name guy. And Crowder has probably been better for the Celtics than Rondo was for any team he's played for and, since then. And I was a fan of the Isaiah Thomas trade. And yeah, I, the well, Isaiah I didn't Thomas even trade was that. awesome. I didn't, it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't, And then all of a sudden, the Celtics are back in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I liked him at Washington, and I thought he was a pretty good player, and I thought he'd be a great role player but I didn't see him becoming the leader of a team and becoming an all-star and everything no not at all and he got to the point where he was like an MVP caliber player and Ainge parlayed him into Kyrie Irving and that was after like you said getting Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and those those are two picks that worked out really well now things obviously took a turn for the worse a lot of that was just that off season in 2019 you know after Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward came back healthy and the team struggled Irving and Horford leaving free agency and it was only a matter of time before Hayward would follow them uh it, it you know things have not gone gone well like the Celtics went from like this next big team like they were supposed to be right up there with like the Warriors in terms of NBA finals favorites to now, I mean, they just barely made the playoffs. They had to go through the play-in tournament, only won one game this postseason, and it's it's definitely been frustrating. And I think throughout the season, I was very much in favor of Danny Ainge no longer being with the Celtics, but that doesn't mean that his accomplishments need to be diminished because of the way that things you know played out in these last few seasons. Yeah, and I agree with that. And there are definitely a lot of big what-ifs, especially dating back to the... 2017 or 2018 season when Gordon Hayward got hurt five minutes into oh, his yeah. career. Uh-huh. What if he, what if that injury never happens and he's fully healthy? I mean, does what does the team look like right now? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions of what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are like because I really think that postseason run where they were those top two guys all the way to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, like that was huge for their growth and development into being the superstar players they're capable of right now. So I agree with you that it definitely helped their growth as players, but at the same time, their heads kind of got too big because of how much early success they had, thinking that, they were just going to do this every single year. I mean, Jalen Brown at the time, after that season, he says, yeah, I want to win six or seven championships in the next eight years, <laughs> and, which is obviously <laughs> ridiculous, uh, especially yeah, well, now. I think the big question mark I had where it was like everyone was saying this is going to be great. Like, I have to believe them. They're my team. But at the same time, I was like, what's going to happen when you take those two guys who they you know they're feeling high on themselves based on what they did and all of a sudden you're pushing down into like secondary tertiary roles behind Kyrie Irving Gordon Hayward Al Horford you got all these other veterans is that just too much you know there's only one basketball and I think that's something that really hurt the Celtics and um, you know it, it got to the point where it was just kind of a a matter of time before things went bad and you know ultimately Danny Ainge paid the price for it so I guess, you know, if if you could look back on it. So there were a lot of rumors about the Celtics potentially trading one of those guys for Kawhi Leonard back when he was asking out of San Antonio. Uh, it, other superstars. Do you do you wish that Ainge had made one of those moves? So the Kawhi Leonard one, I mean, it's so easy to say, yeah, I wish they made that move because Toronto actually did win a championship. But I mean, what if the Celtics didn't? They just straight up give up. A huge asset for just one season of Kawhi Leonard. I, I just because it worked out in Toronto doesn't mean it definitely wouldn't have would have worked out in Boston. I don't know, but no, and I, I agree with that. It's all about taking risks. I mean, there's no move. I thought that you it made sense. That's guaranteed a championship. So I thought it made so much sense for Toronto because they were never gonna win a championship with Lowry yeah. and DeRozan as their leaders. They needed a real superstar. For, even if it's just for one season, I mean, it was even if they didn't win that championship, I thought for Toronto specifically, it was worth the risk to make that trade. And and then, of I course, agree that, with that. Proved I think to be they're two totally correct. different situations because, yeah, like you said, with Toronto, they're trading a guy who, yes, he's like potentially the like the best Raptor ever at the time, but he hadn't won anything. So you're trading an already established guy and upgrading an established guy rather than trading a guy who you think, oh, this could potentially be Kawhi Leonard five years from now and we could have him locked up for 15 years. So, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have regrets over that. I'm certainly glad that. You know, they didn't trade for like Paul George or, you know, a lesser player like that, you know, especially seeing how things have played out with him in the Clippers. But it I don't know. It's one of those things where I guess looking forward with the Celtics now, Brad Stevens has taken over as president of basketball operations. And I think I have a lot of questions and concerned about this. I I don't know. I'm not loving the move. Like I, I get wanting to totally start fresh and get Stevens out of the coaching role. And I get that he's under a huge contract, but I feel like the Celtics, there's a lot of pressure to do something big this off season. And I don't know if, if Stevens is a guy that I want in charge of the, you know, basketball operations side. So I'm glad that he's no longer the head coach because I think, I think the players this year have just completely tuned him out. Uh, but as, as a GM, uh, I, I'm I'm kind of in the middle where because I think he's a genuinely good guy and has a great basketball mind, 
And maybe has his time at Butler suggests that he can identify talent. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that he's still here in a way just because I think it would have been kind of wrong for him to just be straight up fired because the players just just do not listen to him whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious how this will go if if he really is going to be not only the president of basketball operations, but uh, the GM. I don't know if he's going to have that title or not, or if it's going to be someone else. And I'm curious how involved he, he's been in uh, past moves, whether if it's been all Danny Ainge or if Brad Stevens has fingerprints on any of the past trades or draft picks they've made. I feel like he had to have some kind of role in this, but I do imagine that Danny Ainge was, you know, he was kind of like the leader of it. It was like, all right, Brad, here are your guys, make something work with them. And it is kind of a unique position that Brad Stevens can be in, given that he's had a different level of experience and access with these guys. So, you know, he can kind of look at them in different ways in terms of what he wants to do from here. Um, you know, does he want to break up that Tatum Brown combo? Does he want to turn? I, I guess Jalen Brown would be the guy. Does he want to try to turn him into like an elite All Star, like you know, All NBA caliber player? Someone we'll that you maybe question if Brown could be. We'll definitely find out which players Brad likes and does not. Yeah, does not right. Like. That's for sure. And I guess uh, you know. I don't think that it's just as simple as, okay, Brad's running the team now, but you're just going to have a different guy on the bench and you just run it back with a similar type of roster. I do think there needs to be a lot of moves and, you know, having Brad Stevens being the one who's fully in charge of those personnel moves, like you said, you're going to find out who he really believes is, uh, you know, a guy worth keeping around that could ultimately lead to winning Banner I mean, 18 I think, in Boston. I think Brad was disappointed that they did not, Danny didn't pull the trigger on getting Miles Turner uh, once Gordon Hayward decided to go to Charlotte. And I think he was also disappointed that they didn't get Vucevic at the trade deadline because he's talked so much about how that like, after some losses that the Celtics had, he, he's talked about like, yeah, we don't have enough size to cover cert certain players. So we got to find ways to win other ways. And that's kind of a shot at Danny for not getting some big guys because it was c clear that they were getting killed uh, underneath the glass, especially after they traded Tice for basically nothing. Yeah, that that did not work out well. Like, you know, I, I don't think either of us were sad to see Tice leave, but to basically just give him away with how that turned out. Um, is there a big man that you are interested in? I mean, all the ones are unrealistic. Like the the one that like, I've always wanted was Carl Anthony Towns, but that's completely yeah, well, he, unrealistic. He, is that? Is that completely unrealistic? Would Jalen Brown? I mean, unless if Kevin McHale is Robert the GM Williams there again, and maybe a couple firsts. I mean, no, I I don't know. So if that it would, would have to be giving him away. It would have to be several. Brown is a better player than Al Jefferson was at this yeah, point in true, his career. Yeah. It would have to be several draft picks and some sort of combination of either like just Brown or a combination of Smart, Robert Williams, Thompson, a couple other guys. You you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have guys to make the salary work. I think there are ways to do it. I, I, I agree with you. I think Towns would be the kind of guy that I would look at. He's long been 
you know, attached to the Celtics and potential trade scenarios. Um, another guy that I saw that I think would be maybe more reasonable, wouldn't have to give as much, would be a guy like Jonas Valanciunas from the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe a player of his caliber where he doesn't necessarily need to step in and be like you know, the the immediate number two option, but he's someone who can he can help you on both sides of the ball, and he can certainly be a huge improvement over what the Celtics have currently at the uh, the center. Is he a position. good shooter though? I mean, I feel like ah, I feel like they want to stretch. I think he is. I feel like they would want no, to stretch. No, and I, I agree. That's yeah. I guess I didn't. I didn't look into that. I've I've always thought of him as someone who can hit the shot. Like I I haven't watched enough uh, Grizzlies games or Raptors games with him. I guess to know that for sure. I'm just kind of looking up his stats right now. I think he. So, I think he is a just a traditional big man who does not shoot yeah threes. google's not showing me too much here i mean he averaged 17 points a game like you know even if he's not hitting you know 40 per- yeah he's okay never mind he definitely is not a traditional three-point <laughs> shooter but you know if if they're willing to overlook that aspect then uh i think that he could be someone who could provide the kind of offense that the celtics are looking for while also providing defense and rebounding um and then i guess just real quickly here before we kind of you know move on with the subject what is your prediction for how long Brad Stevens will remain in his role? Do you think it's going to be a long-term thing? I I, I hope so. <laughs> I don't. I'm not too confident, but I hope for the okay. best. So, because I think my biggest issue with it is, I think it's only a matter of time before he decides he wants to return to coaching. Whether that's a different NBA team, going back to college, I think within like a year maybe you know two years I, I would be shocked if he's not itching to get back on the bench See, the thing is i think his personality fits coaching better than being a gm but i agree but with at that. the same time i he's done coaching here the players just straight up have yes. tuned him yeah out. oh he's he is ready like he said that he's ready to stop being a head coach right now he needs a break from uh, it but i think it's only a matter of time especially if a certain job opens i up. remember his first couple years in the league when he had no star players and it was just the the bridgy team that the Celtics were at one point I remember there were a lot of games where the Celtics would be down by a lot after the first half and then a lot of times the Celtics would climb back into the game and lose but Brad would talk very positively about that group saying yeah we we struggled in the first half but we I like the effort that these guys put in uh, to come back in the game and almost win. But whenever the Celtics did that this year, Brad would talk about, well, it was it's easy now because the other team's not even trying. Uh, we have to put in a full effort for 48 minutes. So I, it, I think Brad is, not only that our players have two now Brad, but Brad is just, I, I can tell he's just sick of the roster at this point. So if the uh, if the Hubert Davis experiment at UNC doesn't work out very well, and Brad Stevens decides he wants to go back into coaching, I would love for him to come to Chapel Hill and uh, you know try his luck at the college game again. But I say that also. I guess I, I, I had that thought and I was like, oh, but Coach K is probably going to retire soon. So maybe he's more likely to end up at Duke. And then, and then, John, when, you then know, John another Shire big story. is now. Yeah, another big story. Coach K announced he's retiring after the season. They, John Shire is going to be the head coach in waiting. I, I thought there's a good chance they could take a similar approach to what the Tar Heels did. So, uh, yeah, I really hope Brad Stevens doesn't go to Duke of all teams. If he leaves, that, that's probably the destination that would be uh, right at the bottom of my list of possibilities for him to become a head coach elsewhere brad as a coach definitely fits the college game better than the nba personalities but 
he's also said that he doesn't want to go back to college. And once you go from college yeah, to NBA, you don't you don't go back unless he, if you have no other options. He turned down a seven year, seventy million dollar deal from. Is Indiana. that really true? I, I I remember hearing that report. I don't know. I I it sounds crazy to think that he would do that. But like if he was really going to, then I feel like he's uh, he's not dying to get back in the college game just yet. Who do you maybe ever? Who do you uh, look at? As potential replacements uh, for Brad Stevens. For Stevens is, yeah, I was I was about to ask that. I would. Um, so I guess there's a lot of different names that are being thrown out there. I think uh, Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billups are two guys that are both kind of realistic in that they they're assistant coaches. Yeah. They've had a lot of that experience, and I think I mean they, they both have Boston connections, yeah. even though they're only there for uh, half a season yeah. each. And, and Chauncey Billups' case, he was there for two minutes because Rick Pitino's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I I still remember like the first time I heard that, and I like it, I could never wrap my head around the fact that Chauncey Billups was drafted by the Celtics and lasted half a season. Um, I mean, other names, obviously Jason Kidd's being thrown oh, out. I think that's abs- the one where everyone's not. like, no, absolutely not. No one has any interest in that. I did see so Sportsline's odd makers, Cassell and Billups are the top two. Jay Larinaga, who's like one of if not the top assistants. I don't know. I feel like you need a fresh no, voice. That's need- my only issue with him. No, definitely not Larinaga. You need, yeah. You need someone. Well, first of all, you gotta appease Brown and Tatum, and particularly Tatum. Oh, absolutely. They have to. Yeah, Tatum has to be involved for sure. And if if Brad Stevens wants to keep Jalen Brown around as well, he needs to be part of that conversation. And, and well. you, al- not, you also not the entire say, but some kind of level of input. Yeah, and you also need a coach that has real credibility, credibility as a player and a coach, because Brad. Okay, yeah, we we all as fans think of think highly of him. He's a great guy and all, but the players they look at him and say, "Who are you? You never played in the NBA or anything." So that rules out Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, and it's got it's yeah. got to be not only someone who played in the league, has coached in the league, but someone that's also in their forties, and it can't be someone that's in their late fifties, early sixties either. It's got to be. No, and I, I agree. It's got to be needs to be younger guy. It's got to be all of that, and honestly, I hate to say, it, but someone who's African American. Let's be honest. I mean, a lot of the top choices are are definitely. I mean, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups are the two guys that are thrown out. Kevin Garnett's another no, guy that people I, are throwing. I love. Out. I, don't know. I, love I don't love Kevin love Garnett, but him coming. It, pe- I like him as an assistant yeah, and coach. People have thrown out Kendrick Perkins. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love him as an analyst, but. No, it's got to be someone who has real coaching experience as well. I know. It's not a situation where you can just plug in Steve Nash in Brooklyn and everything's yeah. going to go great. Like, I think you need somebody a, in there. A, a traffic cone can coach that team. I mean, no <laughs> offense to Steve Nash. He was a great player, MVP. But uh, when it comes to Brooklyn, it's just, yeah, just roll out the basketballs and just get out of the way. Um, and then uh, one other name that I, I think she'll be connected, but I, I don't think that it'll Are happen. Are you talking about Carol Lawson or Becky Hammond? No, uh, Carol Lawson, I don't think she's going to come back right away after taking over Duke. I think Becky Hammond, but like I feel like she's going to get a head coaching job replacing Greg Popovich in San Antonio. I don't the think w- she's going to end up as an external hire anymore. The way people have talked about Becky Hammond, I truly believe she will be an NBA head coach one day. Not mm-hmm. for this team, though. I don't, I, no, it I, would not work here. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's only a matter of time, um, you know, like I, I think taking over for Pop in San Antonio makes the most sense just because she's been there for so long. And it feels like Pop's out the door any year now. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the two guys I look at, I keep going back to them, Cassell and Billups, yeah, so they're probably the I wrote, top two guys for me. I wrote four names down. Uh, two of those were the ones that you just said. Those are the two ones that I think, it's going to be one of those two in my opinion. I just think Sam Cassell, ever since his year in Boston when they won the championship, he retired a year or two later. And ever since he's been coaching as an assistant, of course. Yeah, and he's coached under Doc Rivers. There's obviously the connection there. So and, I, I feel like that's something that could work out. And then I, I love Billups. He would be my choice if I had to pick, mm-hmm. if it were my decision. I, I love Billups as a player. And he has some coaching experience, not as much as Cassell, but he does have a little bit of experience now as a coach. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I just because he was the assistant for the Clippers this year. Yeah, I just love his his attitude towards the game, and I think the players on the Celtics, I think they're kind of soft to be honest, and they need a real attitude adjustment. And I think Billups, in my opinion, would be perfect for them. Uh, he, yeah, he, I agree. He'd be my I, choice. I like the idea of him. Uh, uh, the other names I wrote down: uh, Tim Duncan. I, I mean, oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I. I I, I, I'd he's be not, shocked he's if not he's, first. he's kind of like Becky Hammond yeah. where it's like, I don't know that he's going to be getting a head coaching job outside of San Antonio, yeah, he's not, at least a start. He's not first on the list, but I thought that was an interesting name to uh, throw out. And another name that I think is interesting, uh, James Posey. So he was really? a bench player for the Celtics in 08. Yeah. One title. He uh-huh. was actually an assistant for the Cavs for five years. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And, I hadn't seen his name at all. Yeah, that, so. that was one that I... I just I love James Posey when he was there, mm-hmm. and finding out that he was actually an assistant coach uh, for a bit. That that yeah maybe he'd be on the list. Yeah, he he's obviously a wild card out of those four names, but I just wanted to throw yeah, him out. and I think two other names to throw out just because of you know Brad Stevens being the one to make the hire uh, if he wants to get someone who did the same thing he did would be um, Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova. He's long been tied to the NBA. And then Juwan Howard. He's yeah, in Austin. Yeah, Juwan Howard. The, seasons. Uh, the reason why I didn't throw him out is because I'll admit, I don't know enough about him. He, it does make sense, though. He's in his 40s, African-American, and has head coaching experience. I guess I just don't know that much about him outside of that. I mean, he, he did he's done well at Michigan. He brought him the Elite Eight. I mean, other than that, I don't Yeah. Oh, he's he's been awesome there. I mean, instant success coming in taking over for John Beeline it seems like he wants Um, to stay there though I I think so as well I don't think he's in a rush to leave so I'd be surprised if that happens Uh, the odds that I saw had him pretty low so all right any last thoughts on the Celtics um no all right, let's uh let's quickly talk about LeBron James. So the Los Angeles Lakers lose game 5 by 30 points, no Anthony Davis, and this was a blowout from start to finish. And of course there's a lot of big news just from the fact that the Suns won, the Lakers are on the brink of elimination. They have to win two games including a game 7 back in Phoenix if they win game 6 in LA. But the big storyline at the end of this one was the fact that LeBron James walked off the court with five minutes to go, get early treatment, help him get ready for game six. What are your thoughts on, on the, the latest action from Ron Braun? I mean, I don't have too many thoughts on it. Probably not as many thoughts as you, but after watching the video just a little while while ago, I mean, it looked like he he got up really quickly. Maybe it looked like he was going to the bathroom <laughs> the way he was walking. I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a huge coincidence that that was the case. I mean, he 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 stayed off the whole time, and like, I I don't know. I I've heard people that are saying that this is a thing that's happened before, but it's just hard for me to imagine him doing this if the Lakers were up by thirty 
instead of being down by 30. It just it just feels like it's a disrespectful move to his teammates. I'm, He's just going to walk off like that. Like, what is an extra, what, 20 minutes of treatment going to do compared to just get, waiting get, for the game to Get end? back to your hotel room earlier. Yeah, right? Like, what, he's going to beat traffic on the way out of the arena? Like, I don't know. I I just, I mean, it's easy for me to, you know, pick on these things that LeBron does and make a big deal out of them, but it just seems like Oh, I mean, go ahead. It's I, just not a, not a good teammate move. No, I don't know. Any, like Anything Kyrie Irving does. I don't understand does, how you can justify anything it. Anything Kyrie Irving does, I'm all over it. So you can do the same thing. I don't blame you. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, I mean it, look what he did. If, I, if I'm one of his teammates on the Lakers, like, I I mean, you saw how bad things were, were that first season with, like, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Like, they none of them wanted to be there playing with him. And adding Anthony Davis probably makes things better. But now that AD is hurt for a game, just to have that happen, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he can get away with it for much longer. I mean, and look what, look back at what he did in 2009 after they lost to the Magic in the East finals or after once they lost, he just, he doesn't uh, give any hand, sh- uh, shakes anyone's hands after the game or any congratulations to anyone. He just straight up, straight up walks off the court and he got a lot of heat for that as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I think it's, it's natural that a player of his caliber is going to receive that kind of criticism. I mean, we watched the last dance. We saw the, all that happened when the, uh, the Pistons stormed out after uh, the Bulls finally beat him in the Eastern Conference finals. And that was 30 years ago. That was a huge deal. And this it's, you know, it's not exactly the same situation, but I just, I don't think it's a good look. And uh, you know, I, I don't know that, I would go as far as to say, like, oh, the Lakers are done now. Like, his his teammates are going to quit on him. I think they're going to end up winning game six back home, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially if Anthony Davis is back, if they pull out game seven. But I just like this as an opportunity to kind of pile on LeBron and kind of call him out for doing something that is just, you know, I, I just don't know how any player, we, other player, you can look at this, and you'll have a bunch of fans justifying his actions. Everyone would be calling them out. I don't blame you. And then the other big NBA news from last night, Damian Lillard. He he's ridiculous. I, I actually was up till midnight watching this double overtime game, and yeah, Damian Lillard is ridiculous. Yeah, he when Monty Morris in overtime missed the layup, and the Trailblazers were down by three with seconds remaining on the clock. There was a a one hundred percent chance <laughs> Damian Lillard was going to tie the game uh, after. I don't want to see Steph Curry. With the shot to quote Drake, but he's at the point now where when it when it's a late when it's late in the game and you need a big shot, he's he's reaching Steph Curry levels of oh well this is gonna go in. He's he's logo Lillard. He's he's so clutch in those last few moments. We've seen him end series in the you know in Portland in 2014 against the Rockets and then a couple years ago against the Thunder so it's just it's not even shocking anymore but the fact that he does it twice in the same game it's just like wow and uh it's just kind of unfortunate for him that despite all of his heroics despite his 50 point effort Portland still lost they're down three to two and their uh their season could be over in just one more night yeah it's a shame a player like that has never made a finals appearance in only, I think, one Western Conference final. Yeah, he made the Western Conference finals a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure he got swept yeah, by Golden Yeah, they got State. swept. Yeah. Do you think that if, uh, if if Portland ends up losing one of these last two games, gets knocked out, that that'll be the end of Damian Lilly's tenure in Portland? He'll, he'll want to trade and go somewhere else? I don't know. I feel like he comes off more like Bradley Beal, where he's just 
I'm loyal. I'm staying. This is my team. He is very loyal. He doesn't come I off wouldn't, as the, I wouldn't blame him. He doesn't come off as the guy that would want to trade, but I wouldn't blame him at the same time. Yeah, because, I mean, the reality is Portland, like we've talked about it before, their ceiling is just not as high as it, it could be for a player they, they, like him. I mean, it, The only way they could advance any further in the postseason is if they got a legitimate big man. And I'm not saying Nerdkage is bad or Cantor. Is, or, those guys are bad, but they're not game changers. They're not superstars no. or anything like that. No, and I don't know how realistic it is for them to get a, a number two guy who is on the same kind of level as him. Because CJ McCollum, he's a solid number two. He's a two, solid like, sidekick, but he's not, yeah. he's not on the he's same level not, as Lillard. He's not an all-star caliber player like Damian Lillard. You know, certainly not at, at his caliber. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know where he would go. He has a giant contract, so I feel like that'll make him a little difficult to move. Uh, the first team that comes to mind is the New York Knicks. I know they have a hole at the point guard position. If they're looking to add a superstar and build off their postseason performance, you know, appearance this year, he would make a ton of sense to them. I'll admit, I, I didn't come up with a, a team, but that the Knicks <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I guess... There's probably plenty of other teams that would line up to try to make it work, but I don't know. I, I like the idea of having a guy like Damian Lillard in Portland and having you know a, a superstar player of his caliber playing on a, a team in a, in a city a, like a, that. A, yeah. But if it, if he can't if he can't get him over the hump, it's only a matter of time before he'll want out and he'll end up somewhere else. So I guess Portland fans enjoy him while you have him because it might not last very long. All right, so that's it for the big NBA news. Did you hear about Bob Baffert and Medina I did, Spirit? I did see that. Yeah. Two years. <laughs> Suck it. Two years. Two years, no no uh, Churchill Downs, no Kentucky Derby for Bob Baffert. So that's uh, not shocking at all that Medina Spirit tested positive again and also just kind of was like, yeah, why did why did he get to run in the Breakness? So I, I assume he's not running in this weekend's Belmont Stakes. If you, but, if you test positive twice, I would imagine. Not. Yeah, I don't know how he would be able to at this point. So, all right, that'll wrap up this emergency episode. Uh, you know, we, we hadn't done this before, but we'll, we'll see. I guess we set the precedent now that we got to jump on when big news happens the day after recording an episode. So, we'll uh, we'll have a lot more NBA talk, and who knows? Maybe the next time we're on here, we'll talk about the Celtics' new head coach. So. For my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Gordon Novotny. Thanks, everyone.